Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome to week number four and the conclusion of our series and discussion on the Holy Spirit. If you're new, let me introduce myself. My name is Peter. I have the absolute joy and privilege of serving as the lead pastor here, and we're just excited to have you with us today. If you're listening to this message on the podcast or watching on the other side of a computer screen on YouTube, we hope that you are blessed by this message, and we look forward to seeing you in person to be a part of the family that God is building and growing here at Life Church Buffalo. You know, I'm excited about today's message. I believe God's got a word for us here today, and he wants to do something very special in the hearts and lives of all of us here today. We're doing this series in large part because I, as your pastor, want to help bring some clarity and some understanding to this mysterious Holy Spirit that a lot of people maybe have some misconceptions or misperceptions about him. And uh, our theme verse for this series has been found in uh, a a couple of verses in Acts chapter 19, and kind of encapsulates the reason why we're doing the series. I find that today there are just as many people who are uninformed about who the Holy Spirit is and what his role is in our lives as there were 2,000 years ago when Paul made his way to a city called Ephesus, which we read about in Acts chapter 19, verse 1, which says, while Apollos was at Corinth and Paul took the road to the interior and arrived at Ephesus... There he found some Christians, he found some disciples, and he asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they answered the same way that a lot of people today that I meet answer, I didn't know there was a Holy Spirit, or I'm not sure about what his role is in my life. And so there's a lot of confusion surrounding him, and that's why we're doing this series. We can sort of connect and understand maybe a little bit this idea of God as our heavenly father, because we all have earthly fathers, and so we can sort of, you know, make sense with that. We can relate with Jesus, who became a human and, you know, paid the price for our sins, died on the cross for us, and so we can certainly connect and relate with that. We read about his life in the New Testament, but when it comes to this Holy Ghost, we're kind of like, I'm not so sure what's that all about. You know, we have a hard time with him, but we want you to have a relationship with all three members of the Trinity. And it's about time that the Holy Spirit is no longer the forgotten God, because the Holy Spirit is who makes God personal to you. And throughout this series, I've tried to dispel some myths and some misconceptions surrounding him by bringing clarity to a few terms that have been misunderstood over the years uh, when it comes to discussions surrounding the Holy Spirit. And so we kicked the series off in week one by looking at the actual word in the original language for Holy Spirit or Holy Ghost. And we learned that uh, in the in the Old Testament, which is written in Hebrew, it's the word ruach, and in the New Testament, it's the word pneuma, both having a very similar definition of uh, the blast of air or the wind of God. And so we learned that unlike today, where so many people are working really hard in their own efforts to, to row the boat of their Christian faith, what we really need is the wind of the Holy Spirit to fill our sails, and life as a believer becomes a whole lot easier when it's empowered by the wind of the Holy Spirit. And then in week two, we looked at the term Pentecost, which again, we, we, we learned has nothing to do with how much makeup you wear, uh, but rather it just simply means, it's a Greek word that means 50, because it commemorated a Jewish holiday that was celebrated 50 days after another Jewish feast called Passover. And Jesus died on Passover 50 days later on the day of Pentecost. The Holy Spirit was poured out on a group of 120 Christians that were gathered together in an upper room. And that birthed the New Testament church that we're now a part of 
today, and we learned that Pentecost for us means power to make a difference. And then last week, we looked at a term that causes some people to kind of push against or distance themselves from anything having to do with charismatic Christians, those crazy people in church, right? But we learned that it's really not anything to do with crazy people in church, but rather the word charisma means spiritual gifts. You know, the term charis in the Greek is grace. Charisma is grace gifts or spiritual gifts that the Holy Spirit gives to his people for works of service. God's created works that he's planned in advance for you to do, and we need the gifts of the Holy Spirit to accomplish those works. And speaking of gifts, I think there are some people here today that have got some dormant gifts lying inside of them that they're not using. And I want to believe that by the end of today, between our three experiences, that I might have a couple of guys that would step to the plate and say, you know what, it's time that I get off the sidelines and get into the game because we've got some tremendous opportunities, especially in kids' life, for some men to be small group leaders for second through fifth graders because if I can be honest with you guys, for far too long, we have relegated the responsibility of of raising and rearing our children to know and love Jesus to the women. And we have a role to play in that, to be role models and to show them that faith and fun don't have to be mutually exclusive. You know, we can create an environment where they can have fun and learn about Jesus in an age-appropriate environment. So if I could just challenge some of the guys in the room today, if you're not currently serving on the Dream Team, to maybe take the yellow Next Steps card and find the box that says, I want to serve on a ministry team, and maybe write in there, specifically Kids Life, because I'd love to report to Pastor Beth, who told us in staff meeting this week that she's in desperate need of some men to step up and be a part of the Kids Life ministry. And so I hope you'll consider doing that. But today, we are going to tackle another term that uh, I think has been misinterpreted or misunderstood in Christian circles, and that is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, we had 20 people get water baptized last week, and we celebrate those decisions where people go public with their faith to let the world know that they have united themselves with Christ, and it's an outward demonstration of an inward decision. But baptism means more than just getting dunked in water. I'm going to give you the definition for the word baptism in the original language. It actually means to be immersed in, to be immersed in. Now, I don't know if you realize this or not, but there are actually three different baptisms that are available to you as a follower of Jesus Christ on your spiritual journey. And the first is that you are baptized into the body of Christ. This is what happens at salvation. The moment that you said yes to Jesus, you were immersed into a relationship with Jesus and his body, the church. Paul says it this way in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13. For by one spirit, you were all baptized or immersed into one body. And the word body is a word that you'll see often used in the New Testament to describe the family of God, the church, the body of believers. We are the body of Christ, which is a crazy concept when you think about that. That collectively, we make up the body of Christ, a representation of who Jesus is to the world around us. He says it this way in Galatians 3.26, so in Christ, you are all children of God through faith for you were all, for all of you who were immersed or baptized into Christ have clothed yourself to yourselves with Christ. You guys, you need to understand that Christianity isn't about a religion. 
Christianity is about being immersed into a relationship with Jesus where we clothe ourselves with Christ. It's called the robe of righteousness that when we say yes to Jesus and and we receive his forgiveness for our sins, when God looks at us, he doesn't see our sin anymore. We have been clothed with the righteousness of God and Christ and we wear him. We We are clothed with Christ. We are baptized, immersed into a relationship with him and with his church. And so that's the first step in our spiritual journey. And maybe there are some of you here today that have yet to take that step. You're here because you're curious about faith or maybe somebody invited you, but you've never really crossed that line to make the decision to immerse yourself in a relationship. And maybe you've never heard it that way. You've always thought it was about, you know, adhering to a list of rules and regulations and God doesn't care about any of that. He just wants a relationship with you. So that's the first baptism. But once you say yes to Jesus, there is a second baptism that we're to take, which is water baptism. That's what we experienced and celebrated last week. It's a separate experience from our salvation. Now, you don't need to get baptized in order to receive salvation because salvation is a free gift from God. It's it's, It's an offer of grace that has nothing to do with anything that we've done. We cannot earn our salvation. Some denominations actually teach that you have to be baptized, water baptized, in order to receive salvation, to make it complete. But we don't believe that because salvation is a free gift. You cannot do anything, including getting water baptized, to receive salvation. It's a free gift from God because if you had to receive, if you had to get baptized to receive salvation, what do you do with the thief on the cross who was hanging next to Jesus and had this moment where he realized, oh my gosh, I'm about to die for my sins and I had it wrong. And he turns to Jesus and he says, would you remember me when you enter your father's kingdom? And Jesus says, today you'll be with me in paradise. Guess what? He didn't have a chance to get water baptized and yet Jesus promised him he would be in heaven. So salvation and water baptism are two different experiences. When Peter preached on the day of Pentecost, which we talked about in week two, he told the crowd that was gathered around listening to him in Acts 2.41, those who, were, those who accepted the message that he preached, so they accepted it, they believed, then they were water baptized. First they got saved, then they responded to their salvation by getting water baptized, which I explained last week is really a picture of being united with Christ. And when we go under the water, we are dying to our old man, our old sinful nature. And when we come out of the water, in the same way Jesus came out of the tomb, we are raised to new life in Christ. And in the same way that those of you who are married put a wedding ring on your finger to let the world know that you are in a covenant relationship, that you are taken. When I wear this ring, it's me telling all the ladies out there, you can't have this. All right, I'm taken. Okay? I belong to someone. And baptism is a way for us to let the world know that we have entered into a covenant relationship with Jesus, that we belong to him. And we're immersed in water to represent that dying to our old man and being raised to new life in Jesus Christ. We should never be ashamed to take that step and get water baptized. How should we be ashamed of the one who gave his life so that we could be forgiven of sin and receive eternal life? It's important to take that next step. Scripture is clear that everyone's next step after salvation is to get water baptized. 
And that's why we offer it four times a year is to provide as many opportunities as possible for those who are saying yes to Jesus to take that step and let the world know that they have united themselves with him. So if the first step is to get baptized into the body of Christ, immersing yourself in relationship with him, and the second step is to get water baptized, there is a third baptism available to you, and that's what I want to talk about today. It's the baptism in or of the Holy Spirit. Now, I want to be clear that we all understand that you received the Holy Spirit the moment you said yes to Jesus. When you receive his forgiveness for your sins, the Holy Spirit comes to live on the inside of you and is placed in your spirit as a deposit. So you have the Holy Spirit, but baptism is being immersed in. Okay, so if you think about it like a cup of water, if I have a cup and I pour water into it, that could represent salvation. But if I take that same cup of water and then put it into a swimming pool, it is now immersed. Do you see the difference? It's a separate experience. The baptism in the Holy Spirit is being immersed in the Holy Spirit, even though you've already received him in your heart. I want to show this to you in scripture. There's a whole bunch of different places that I can take you to, but I want to show you two specifically. And in each of these passages of scripture, you're going to see all three baptisms. In Acts chapter 8, we see the first example of it, and I would just encourage you guys to read the book of Acts. It's a historical account of how the message of Jesus spread after Jesus ascended to his father, and then how the message spread to the known world. But in Acts 8, we see that Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed Jesus there. He proclaimed the Messiah. In verse 12, but when they believed, and there's the first baptism, they believed Philip, Okay, they, they accepted Jesus as he proclaimed the good news of the kingdom of God and in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they were water baptized. And there's the second baptism, both men and women. In verse 14, when the apostles at headquarters in Jerusalem heard about this revival that was happening in Samaria, the people were coming to Christ, they accepted the word of God. They sent Peter and John to check it out. And when Peter and John arrived, they prayed for the new believers there that they might receive the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit had not yet come on any of them. They had simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And then Peter in verse 17 and John placed their hands on them and then they received the Holy Spirit. There's the third baptism. Let's look at another example in Acts chapter 19. This has been our theme verse for this series. Apollos was at Corinth. Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. And there he found some believers, some disciples. And he asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? There's the first baptism. They said what a lot of people say today. We didn't know there was a Holy Spirit. And so Paul asked them, well, what baptism did you receive then? Because there are several. And they replied, John's baptism. And Paul said, oh, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. That's the first baptism. When we repent and turn our lives over to Jesus. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him, that is, in Jesus. And on hearing this, they were water baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. That's the second baptism. And then Paul placed his hands on them in verse 6, and the Holy Spirit came on them. There's the third baptism. And they received some spiritual gifts that we talked about last week. And they spoke in tongues and prophesied. So in both of those passages, we see all three 
baptism. And you might be here today and you might ask, well, what's with the separate experiences? Why, why can't it all be wrapped up into one experience? Well, that's because God doesn't ever want us to get confused with our salvation experience, which is a free gift of God's grace that we can't earn, we can't work hard enough or do enough to earn salvation. He doesn't want us to confuse that with the other baptisms that does involve some of our works. To get water baptized, we have to take that step to show the world that, yes, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get water baptized and declare that Jesus has changed my life and I belong to him. And the, and the third baptism, the baptism in the Holy Spirit, doesn't have an eternal purpose as much as it does an earthly purpose for the works that he's called us to do. Because church, the purpose of this third baptism is because he's got a work for us. He's got a work for each of you. We talked about that last week, and it's going to take some power to pull those works off. It's got an earthly purpose. I want you to look at something that the Apostle John wrote in his first letter. 1 John 5, 7 and 8 said, For there are three that bear witness in heaven, the Father, the Word, and, and John loved to refer to Jesus as the Word. The same guy that wrote 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John also wrote the Gospel of John. And if you remember how the Gospel of John starts, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. He loved referring to Jesus as the Word. So the three that bear witness in heaven, the Father, Jesus, the Word, and the Holy Spirit, there's the Trinity, and these three are one. But the next verse says... And there are three that bear witness where? On earth. The spirit, the water, and the blood. There's the three baptisms, guys. The blood that we receive that Jesus shed for the forgiveness of our sins is when we are baptized into the body of Christ and immersed into a relationship with him. It's by the blood of Jesus. And then we're water baptized. Then there's the baptism of the Holy Spirit. These three are witnesses on earth, and they agree as one. Three separate baptisms. Guys, there is a spiritual journey that we're all on, and we all have a next step to take. I don't care if you've been following Jesus for one day or 50 years. None of us, myself included, can ever say, you know what? I've arrived. I've got it all figured out. I've received everything that God has for me, and I'm good to go. There's nothing more for me to do. Well, we can never say that. There's always another step to take. We're all on a journey, and I thought, what better way to kind of wrap this series up than to share with you some of my own spiritual journey and my experiences, even as it relates to the Holy Spirit and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I know I've shared my testimony with you guys many times, but I grew up in a Christian home where I, my parents had gotten saved right before I was born, like months before I was born. My mom, a few months before my dad, and she was always witnessing to him. And my dad, you need to understand, was not a very nice man. He was uh, in a biker gang and had a criminal record and at one time even held my mom at knife point. Like he was a bad dude. He'd get together, hang out in biker bars with his, his buddies and, 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 and boast and brag about the sexual exploits they had had that week or that weekend. And, you know, he was just a mean, mean dude. And when my mom would try to witness to him, she'd be like, get that crap away from me. I don't want anything to do with that. But little by little, that, that conviction started to set in. She would put, you know, tracks in his lunchbox at work until finally one, one time on Halloween night of all nights at a biker party in a bar, my dad had this moment where he just sensed the presence of evil 
in the room and he walked outside and sat on his motorcycle and looked up at the sky and he says, God, if you're there, if you can hear me, my wife says that I can know you like a real person. And if that's really true, then I wanna know you. Will you come in and live in my heart? Will you forgive me of my sin? And he looked up to the stars to see if there'd be like a shooting star or a sign that God had heard him. And even though nothing happened, he left that experience and walked back into the bar and, and told my mom, he whispered to my mom, he's like, hey, I just said the prayer. I just asked Jesus to come into my heart. And she's like, praise the Lord. And he's like, shh, because they're in the middle of a bar and he's surrounded by all of his biker buddies. And, you know, so, but little by little after that time, my dad's life began to be radically transformed. And then I came along a couple months later so that was Halloween night of 77. I was born December of 77. And my parents said from a very young age, I had a sensitivity to the things of the spirit. I think I've shared the story with you of when I was two years old and my parents were watching Christian television. I was sitting on the floor just playing with my blocks, minding my own business, oblivious to what they were watching, wasn't paying attention to it. And then one, all of a sudden, this woman came on the screen to sing a song. And my parents said that when she started singing, I put my blocks down and stood up, raised my hands to heaven, and just rocked back and forth with this angelic look on my face. As, as they said, I almost tried to peer through the, the ceiling of my living room, just gazing at God, and I rocked back and forth. And then when the song finished, I sat back down and started playing with my blocks. And my parents just looked at each other like, what in the world just happened? They didn't say anything, but they just kind of tucked that away in their hearts and they knew that God had his hand on my life. And then four years later, when I was six years old, I remember asking my mom what a particular slogan on a t-shirt that, that she was wearing meant. And she explained the gospel to me and I said, well, I wanna have Jesus to live in my heart. Can, can I become a Christian? And she led me in a prayer and I said yes to Jesus and I became baptized or immersed into the body of Christ that moment when I was six years old. Like so many of you have here today when you raise your hands to the invitation that I give almost every single weekend. That was my first baptism. You know, several years later as I started to grow in my own relationship with the Lord, hungry for God, wanting all that he had for me. My, my dad had explained to me about this baptism of the Holy Spirit that he was learning about. And he had been to a Bible study where they taught on it. And, you know, he went into his attic. He didn't have anyone lay hands on him. He just told me the story of how he had gone into his attic to pray and said, God, if this Holy Spirit is real and if this baptism is available to me today, then I want it. Will you baptize me in your Holy Spirit? And all of a sudden, he just said he felt like this, this boldness came over over him and he started to, to speak in a heavenly language. God gave him a prayer language. And, and the very next day he walked into Ford Motor Company where he worked, walked into his circle of friends that used to be the guys he hung out with in the biker bars and says, guys, guess what? Y'all need to get saved. You need to get born again because Jesus wants to save you and set you free. And they all looked at him like, y'all, you're crazy. And he became known as Preacher Pete from that point because he, be, he had this boldness come on him, this, this urge to share the gospel with everyone and anyone that would listen to him. One time my mom, this just came to me. I didn't say this in the first service. Like he was so zealous to witness to people and share Christ with them that there was one time, I think it was at Chestnut Ridge or I don't know if it was a football game or where he was, but there was a public restroom and he walked in and this one stall that somebody was sitting in that didn't have a door on it. He's like, that guy might not know Jesus. 
and he can't go anywhere. So he stood right in front of the stall and said, do you know Jesus? <laughs> now, I'm not encouraging anyone here to do that, okay? That, that's a little bit weird and maybe extreme, but I'm just trying to share with you the, the boldness that came on my dad after he received the baptism of the Holy Spirit to share the word of God with anyone who would listen. And so I started to say like, God, if you have this, then I want it. As a little kid, eight, nine years old, I started praying for that. When I was 10 years old, we were going to a church in Wheatfield where at our church there, the, the kids were a part of the worship experience and then they got dismissed to go to children's church while the adults sat and listened to the sermon. And that particular Sunday, there was a special speaker who had operated in the prophetic. You know, we talked about spiritual gifts last weekend. And he had seen me during worship, and I was always, from a young age, very expressive in worship. I loved Jesus with my whole heart, and I would just give it my all as a kid in worship. And he, he witnessed this, and he felt like God had given him a word. So after the sermon started, he sent someone back to the children's church area to come and grab me and brought me out into the front of the church and said, I don't know you, but I feel like God has just spoken to me that you're going to have a ministry one day that will reach multitudes. I was 10 years old when that word was spoken over me, and I didn't remember it until last night when I had asked my mom to fill in the blanks of some of my story because I didn't remember everything that happened as a kid. And she shared this with me, and it came back to my memory. And I'm realizing now that I am now living in the works that I told you about last week. I believe I was created for. That word was spoken over me at 10 years old, and a year later, I'd be at a church service at New Covenant Tabernacle in Tonawanda in an evening service where the preacher had spoken about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and I had been asking for it, and I responded to the altar call, and I stood on the floor at the, at the altar, and I said, Jesus, I want what you have for me. Every gift you have is good. I want the boldness that comes with the Holy Spirit. Will you baptize me? And all of a sudden, something started to, to stir up on the inside of me, and I began to speak in a heavenly language as the Spirit kind of gave me utterance that I had control over, but it was something that I knew God was doing. Now, not everyone receives a prayer language, but sometimes you do, and it's a prayer language that I use on an almost daily basis to talk to God, to build and encourage my spirit, because listen, before this time, I was a shy kid who was always embarrassed about my faith. When I was in school, I, didn't, I was embarrassed to pray over my lunch at lunchtime. I, I never wanted to share with my friends about my faith or the fact that I went to church. I was always more of a follower than I was a leader. But when I got baptized in the Holy Spirit, the same thing happened to me that happened to my father. This urge and boldness came over me to share the love of Jesus with my friends because I wanted to know that they were going to be in heaven with me someday. Listen, I don't believe I would be here today if I had not received the baptism of the Holy Spirit because I'd have been too afraid. The Holy Spirit emboldened me to take risks to follow the call of God on my life. Like when I went to Ohio in 2012 to answer the call of God on my life and then moved back. You know, the Holy Spirit emboldened me to take a risk to move back to Buffalo in 2016 when Pastor Craig called me up and says, hey, will you pray about moving back to Buffalo? I'm ready to pass the baton and I think you're the guy that God has to lead this church into the future that God has for it. Guys, I marvel at what God is doing in our church. I'm amazed at it, the growth but listen, the, 
375 people that have gotten saved since June of 16 when we moved back and the 180 people that have taken their next step to get water baptized has nothing to do with me. I'm not that talented. I'm not capable in my own strength and I would be remiss to take any credit away from the person and power of the Holy Spirit that empowers all of this to happen. Every single person that has said yes to Jesus, every miracle that has happened, every baptism, it's because the Holy Spirit is on the move. People are being saved and set free and healed and delivered, and it's all because of the power of the Holy Spirit. The book of Acts could not and would not have happened if it wasn't for what happened on Pentecost when the Holy Spirit was poured out. Peter couldn't even 50 days earlier tell a middle school girl that he knew Jesus the night that Jesus was being tried. But 50 days later, he's preaching to a crowd where 3,000 people respond and say yes to Jesus. What was the difference? The Holy Spirit was poured out of Pentecost. Peter was baptized in the Holy Spirit and the same guy that was embarrassed to tell a middle school girl that he knew Jesus was preaching to thousands of people later. It's because of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Listen to me, you need it too. We all need it. Because you're called by God just as much as Peter was, just as much as I am. I don't care if you're a janitor, if you're a teacher, if you're a doctor, or if you're a professional football or hockey player. I don't care what your profession is. We are all called by God to do our part in fulfilling the great commission to make disciples of all people, to share the good news of Jesus with everyone in our world. And you need the power of the Holy Spirit to do it. He said, don't you dare leave Jerusalem until you receive the gift that my father has for you. Because you need it to be my witnesses. You're going to need it to preach the word with boldness. Because you're going to come under persecution. You're going to be, you know, you're going to be pressured into renouncing your faith. And you need the boldness and the power. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You need that to be who he's called us to be and to do what he's called us to do. And so maybe you're here and you say, okay, I'm in. What does it look like? How, how am I filled with the Holy Spirit? How do I get baptized in the Holy Spirit? I'm gonna give you four practical things today to walk away with. Maybe you're taking notes. I would encourage you to write this down. The first thing you gotta do is remove all the barriers. Remove the barriers. Because we all have a next step to take, as I've shared. But you'll only discover the things that God has in store for you to the degree that you're willing to remove the barriers that stand between you and the things that God has for you. So what are those barriers? Okay, maybe some of you have said yes to Jesus, but you've not yet taken that step to get water baptized. Maybe there's a fear of man there. You need to remove that barrier and just take that step of faith. Maybe your marriage needs to get healed and you need to pursue counseling or healing for that. Maybe God has been tugging on your heart to lead a small group. Whatever that next step is, do whatever you have to do to remove the barriers. Some of you guys, honestly, there might be a doctrinal hangup you have when it comes to the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Are you willing to just honestly look at scripture and see what it has to say and open yourself up to remove whatever barriers standing in your way from you receiving all that God has for you? Some of you, it might even be a sin issue. The Holy Spirit's been kind of whispering inside your heart to say, hey, don't, don't do that. That grieves my spirit. That hurts our relationship. I've got more for you. You need to sever that relationship. You need to stop doing that. We remove the barriers. And once you remove the barriers, then you need to request the gift or the baptism of the Holy Spirit. 
You need to ask for it. Do what I did and just say, God, will you baptize me in your Holy Spirit? Just ask for it. You can trust that everything that God has for you is good because Jesus himself said in Luke eleven thirteen, 13, if you guys being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? Guys, we've got to ask him to fill us with his Holy Spirit, but don't filter it with what you've heard in the past. Don't filter it through normal Christianity because guys, I don't know about you, but I don't want normal. Normal's not cutting it. Normal's not enough. I want supernatural Christianity. I want the power of the Holy Spirit enabling me to do everything he's called me to do. But you gotta ask him. God, baptize me in your Holy Spirit. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. So request the gift. And then once you request the gift, you receive it by faith. Step number three. Receive it by faith. And I would add, like a child. Because when we approach God, we need to approach him like a, like a child. Like when I tell my kids, when I come home and I've bought my, my children a gift, they're like, they don't question whether or not it's a good gift. They're, they're just excited to receive whatever daddy got for them. What is it, dad? Show me. Can you give it to me? I want it right now. And I want to be like a child that approaches my heavenly father and says, whatever gift you have for me, dad, I want it. Will you give it to me? Because I know every gift you have for your kids is good and it's for a purpose and it's for a reason. And I want it. Receive it by faith. So many of us, though, are only willing to go as far as we understand God. And sometimes you gotta be willing to get over that hurdle of your natural human understanding to receive by faith the gift of the Holy Spirit that is a supernatural gift that surpasses human comprehension. God has invited each of us to take another step closer to him. Do you have the faith to do it? I love the prophecy that is found in the Old Testament that God spoke through Ezekiel. When he says this, this is a great picture to me of the spiritual journey that we're all on at different places. You're gonna find yourself somewhere in this prophecy. He spoke through Ezekiel when he said, as the man went eastward with a measuring line in his hand, he measured off a thousand cubits and led me through water that was ankle deep. And some of you here are in ankle deep water. You're like, I'm wet. I don't want to go to hell. I've said yes to Jesus, but I'm good right here. I, I, I want to stay safe in the shallow waters. And we, we rejoice with every person who has said yes to Jesus. But I just want to encourage you to let you know that there's more. There's another step, right? You don't have to be afraid of going deeper. That's why our mission statement is to help people not just know, but also follow Jesus step by step. There's always another step. And are you willing to go in a little deeper? Because he continues and says, he measured off another thousand cubits and led me through water that was knee deep. And some of you did that today. You took a little step deeper into the water. Maybe you've never been a person that raised your hand in church during worship, but something came over you during that third song, and you're like, what is happening to me right now? And you all of a sudden started seeing yourself be more free in worship because you're like, I like the water here. It's refreshing, and it feels good. And so you took a step deeper into the presence of God to experience more of his presence, and you're 
in knee-deep water. And I love that we're a church that has people at every stage of belief. Some people are still standing on the bank, a little hesitant to come in because they've got doubts and questions. And hey, we welcome you to come in with those questions and explore the claims of Christ. But I believe with all my heart, if you seek him long enough and if you're earnest enough about finding answers to your questions, you will discover that Jesus is exactly who he said he is and he wants to give you life beyond your wildest dreams. And we've got people that just said yes to Jesus and are in ankle deep water. We've got people who are knee deep and we've got people willing to forsake all and go follow him on the mission field and everything in between. And I love that we're a church that has people at every stage of belief, but there's still more because he continues to say, he measured off another thousand and led me through the water that was up to the waist. And some of you are in waist deep water right now. We sat you in a tub of water last week that was about waist deep and then dunked you in it as you publicly professed your faith in Jesus Christ. But what I want you to see about all three of these places in the river of God. This is a prophetic picture of a river that flows kind of from the, from the temple of God. And it's a picture of the spiritual journey that we are on as we follow Jesus. And all three of those, ankle deep, knee deep, and waist deep. We're in the water, we're wet, but we're still in control. Our feet are still on the floor, Right? But I just want to encourage you all here today. Don't be afraid of going into the water where the river might take you different places. People are afraid to follow the Holy Spirit or immerse themselves in the Holy Spirit where they're literally in over their heads. Verse five, he measured off another thousand but now it was a river that I could not cross because the water had risen and was deep enough to swim in. Deep enough to be immersed in a river that no one could cross. It goes on to say that in the river, swarms of living creatures lived wherever the river flows. Guys, the river of God is teeming with life. The deep things in God are not a place of weirdness. The deep things in God, if you look at what Jesus told the disciples in the gospels after they had been fishing all night and caught nothing, he says, well, launch out into the deep and cast your nets on the other side. They're like, man, we've been fishing all night, Jesus, but at your word, we will do what you say. And so they went out and they cast their nets and they caught a boatload full of fish so much that it almost sank their boats. The deep waters, guys, is a place of obedience where you do what he's called you to do. And it's also a place where the fish are where you catch fish, where we become fishers of men. That's the purpose of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, to empower you to walk in obedience, to do what God's called you to do so that we can all be on mission and proclaim the gospel with boldness and see teeming life happening around us all the time. I want you to experience the abundant life that Jesus came to bring us but we gotta receive it by faith because without faith, Hebrews says, it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to God must believe that he first exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Listen to me, God's not after your perfection. He doesn't want your religion. He wants a relationship with someone who is earnestly seeking after him, who's earnestly pursuing all that God has for him or her. It's my joy as the shepherd of this flock that God has called to lead us all on a journey to create the environments where those steps can take place, where you can remove the barriers, where you can request the gift, where you can receive it by faith. 
so that, number four, you can relate to him daily. Because the Holy Spirit wants to be your best friend, guys. I wanna close with a prayer that the Apostle Paul penned at the end of his second letter to the Corinthians. And I know I've shared this with you before, but this is my prayer for you as we wrap this series up. Put it up on the screen. The amazing grace, Paul says, may the amazing grace of the master Jesus Christ, and some of you need to receive that grace today. And may the extravagant love of God the Father. Some of you have received the grace of God, but you've never experienced or received the love because you've got wounds or baggage from the past. Your father wants you to step into your rightful identity as a son or daughter of the king. And may the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Lord, we want all that you have for us. We come to you as your kids with hearts full of childlike faith, ready to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit that you've promised to all who ask. But maybe you're here today and you've never received that first baptism of being immersed into a relationship with Jesus. I don't know what your story is, where you've come from, what your background is, what questions or doubts you have, but today you know that there's something tugging on your heart and you need to let go of those and just say yes to a relationship with Jesus. And if that's you here today, with all heads bowed and eyes closed, would you just let me know by slipping your hand up and saying, I want to start a relationship with Jesus today? Is there anybody here that wants to be baptized and immersed into a relationship with him and his body? There are some of you here today that I believed with all my heart as I was preparing for this message today that have never fully understood what the baptism of the Holy Spirit was and whether it was available to them today. And you now understand that it is and you want it. If that's you here today, would you just lift your hand up? I just want to pray for everyone here today who wants to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I see that hand, hands going up all over the place. It doesn't have to be complicated. We don't have to make a big deal about it. We just need to remove the barriers to request it, to ask him for it, and then receive it by faith. So right now, I just pray over every person who has expressed a desire to receive this gift of the baptism of the Holy Spirit by raising their hands. God, right now, would we in West Seneca, New York, experience a modern-day Pentecost where you pour out your Holy Spirit on your people, that we would declare the word of God with boldness, God that what happens in our city because of what happened in here today be talked about for generations to come. Lord, because you poured out your Holy Spirit on a group of believers who wanted everything that you had for them. So Lord, baptize us right now in your Holy Spirit, I pray. And may we be bold witnesses for you everywhere we go. It's in the powerful name of Jesus we pray and everyone said, Amen and amen.